1: Hey, everyone. Let's uh, turn the mute button off. That's a good way to start a podcast. Uh, this is Dan Vienz, and you're listening to the Field Goals Podcast. Been away for a minute. It's been a week and a half, couple of weeks. Um, you know, we're not officially into the offseason yet, at least for the Seahawks. We are on championship weekend, still four teams uh, in play for the Super Bowl. Um, but we have a ton of stuff to talk about, Seahawks-related and otherwise. Um, and who better to do that with than my lovely co-host, Dana Dano Gorman, how are you?
0: I am super good. I'm excited to talk football again.
1: I know, right? It, it's only been I think it's been a week and a half. I well, how a week and a half? Last Monday I think I did the Jason Myers update and that was kind of the last or the yeah. the breaking news there. Um, and uh, but then we had some breaking news and let's just get that uh, out of the way right off the bat obviously the announcement last week that uh the sb nation network that um runs field goals and all of the geographically centered uh sports websites and the podcasts that are affiliated with them like yours truly you uh on field goals brandon with the seahawkers um and of course um jackson with cigar thoughts um, SB Nation is pulling the plug on their um, basically all podcasts. I think a couple of NFL um, mm-hmm. podcasts have survived the cut. So I, I just want to have a brief discussion with you about that um, so that we can, for the most part, let our listeners know that, first of all, we're going to be with you through the month of February, that our current contract and our, our agreement runs out uh, February 28th, that we've been given that long to continue to do the show. And we will continue to do the show because there's a lot to talk about. And also because you have other things going on. I have some plans in the works and, uh, and we want our listener base. That's, that's so good to us to know so that they can continue on with us wherever we go. So let me just, let me just get your quick thoughts on, on how you feel about that news and and what you're working on.
0: Um, yeah, it, it was a real surprise. And, and and probably the biggest surprise to me is that we um, kind of heard it through the grapevine before we heard it from um, our actual employers to begin with. But here's the thing. Yeah. Um, I understand that, you know, print media for sure. There's a lot of online media. I know they're all taking a lot of hits right now. I know that there is money questions and issues and and things going on. Listen, I'm not going to debate the business of it, right? That that's fine. But um, I'm sad. I'm bummed. You know, we got to do this for one season. I got to know a lot of different Seahawks fans that I didn't know outside of the couple of other podcasts that I do, and I really have enjoyed chatting with them and talking with them and and getting to know them better. Plus, you know, the Great Field Goals team that we work with, the (laughs) writers. They're a little wackadoodle, and I love them. Like, they're just kind um, so of crazy. If you could only
1: see, if if the if the listeners could only see our group chat. There's, there's a, a lot weird. of stuff going on there. <laughs>
0: I thought the Hawk Blogger group chat was weird. No, Field Goals has nothing on them. That's amazing. But yeah. so here's the interesting thing about it is that I know that you have plans. I have plans. We have plans together. And I know Brandon has plans on keeping going. Um, it will not be under the SB Nation name. Right. That will be the same type of podcast and the same type of information. And so and I know that SB Nation and Vox Media is still working on how what they're going to do with these feeds. And so we we don't know what the end game is going to be yet, but we know that we're going to be around. And so people will still be able to find us and we'll still talk Seahawks football because that's what we love.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the most important point. If you're listening to the show, you like the show, you enjoy it. You currently subscribe to it so that you get notifications of new episodes and you listen to every episode. And there are many of you are our, our uh, number of downloads that we get in our reports is very consistent. It really is. Mm-hmm. And so we we can see in the numbers that we have a very loyal base. Um, If you want to continue listening beyond February 28th to what Dana and I end up doing, and we'll get much more detailed about that as we go through the month and and we'll have a final wrap up show before we sign off, Um, then just um, if you don't follow us already on Twitter, do that. That's the best way to get that kind of news. And then uh, you'll be able to subscribe to the new show and just um, slide right over to that. So we'll be talking about those things. Just just from a personal standpoint, I would say that, um, you know, and I've been very vocal about it on this show, uh, field goals has been a, a very important place for me to get my Seahawks opinion and, and information uh, really ever since they were born, even back to the Danny Kelly days. And it was instrumental for me in getting my Twitter following in that sort of Seahawks family initially. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to be a part of that brand for the last eight or nine months and to be able to talk about one of the most interesting seasons that we've ever seen as Seahawk fans or journalists or podcasters um, has been nothing but a blessing. And um, what I'm planning next and what you're going to do next, I know we'll just build off of that. So, um, you know, nothing but good feelings about the field goal pe- field goals. People, business is business, and you know it stinks, but we'll evolve and adapt and move on, just like the Seahawks right
0: <laughs> so much evolving we hope
1: our offseason <laughs> became an offseason we didn't even know it was coming uh there are some correlations there for sure let's talk football yes it is championship weekend we got Bengals at Chiefs in the AFC 49ers at Eagles oh it hurts for me to say that um, it's okay breathe game. let's start there first of all just give me your thoughts uh, who do you like this weekend and what are some of your general um general thoughts about the two matchups
0: um... It, it, they're interesting. I, I really love the Niners Eagles matchup. I think that they are going to be, that's probably going to be the better game of the weekend. Um, I think that you have a really dynamic offense and with Jalen hurts coming back and, and that very complete Eagles team. The Eagles have been so fun to watch all season. And I know there's a lot of Seahawks men who only watch Seahawks games. Yeah. Well, I have, I watch them all. I, I cover lots of different games. And so I've watched almost all the Eagles games this year and they are a very Complete team when they have the right people on the field, and mm-hmm. and I've yeah. loved watching them. Um, the Niners, I can't say I ever watched love the, love watching the Niners, but at the same time, can't deny that defense is just ridiculously yeah. good. It it is um, very reminiscent. It should be look a little familiar to some Seahawks fans because it is very similar to the Seahawks defense from a few years ago. Um, And then the fun story of Brock Purdy. I mean, I hate that it's for San Francisco, but for that kid to come back and and play well, do I think he's the second coming of Brady as people have been touting him? No, I don't. But we don't know yet, right? Because he's only played six or seven games. Yeah, he's undefeated, but you have to look at the games they've played and that sort of thing. But I will tell you this, when I look at that game, I really feel that the Eagles have the advantage. And I just think... Think that 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 is because of being the more complete team on both sides of the ball I just feel like Jalen Hurts is going to give that defense everything that they can handle um and that Brock Purdy who has a tendency to melt in the face of a pass rush is going to feel Brandon Graham and those boys in his face a lot so I just feel I still think it'll be a close game I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco managed to pull it out but I just really feel that 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 the Eagles are the more complete of those two teams.
1: I feel the same way. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this game because I, because I wanted to make sure that my opinion wasn't colored too much by bias. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I'm not afraid to admit when I think, the 49ers are the better team in any given matchup. And, mm-hmm. and I, I work with some 49er fans and, and I've been very forthcoming with them this year about how good I think that team is. Um, but I do think, you know, playing at home is huge. I haven't taken a look at the forecast. It's going to be cold. It's, it's, it's conditions that the 49ers aren't really used to. And, and look, we could do an entire episode on the phenomenon that is Brock Purdy. And it's, it's amazing what cult like status it's already risen to and how, It's I've had some really long discussions uh, on Twitter with 49er fans and they for I don't understand why, but they're so defensive against anyone who would who would dare imply that Brock Purdy isn't the savior and the answer and their 10 year franchise quarterback moving forward. Um, I've just stopped getting into those debates now because they just you can't convince them otherwise. And I'm not saying he's. Because they could be
0: right. They but could how be. How are you supposed to know? They I could mean, be. Remember, Baker Mayfield was God's gift to the planet for a while.
1: So. Absolutely. And and when you look at the skill sets, um, they're not that different. I would argue that Baker has a better arm. I would argue that every quarterback in the NFL has may have a better arm than Brock Purdy. But he he has something, and he has those other intangibles and and other things in his toolbox that that equipped him perfectly to succeed in that situation. And I think that's the part that fans of the 49ers are seeming to miss and we're going to roll this into my next thought and and how it applies to our quarterback situation with the Seahawks is uh, Brock Purdy's doing great. So he must be great. And that the answer is simply you shouldn't spend money on a quarterback or picks to move up and get one, just find the next Brock Purdy. And I, I think, you know, the, This is a very common sort of meme now, and it's become almost cliche, but I've used it many times myself recently. My opinion or my reaction to that type of opinion would be, tell me you don't really know the NFL without saying you really don't know the NFL, right? That there are guys drafted in the top five, top 10 every single year that are supremely more physically talented than Brock Purdy and have track records in college, just like he did. And they fail because of the situation. So it's going to be a fascinating case study to see how he does. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying he can't win. I'm not, I could see it going. I could see the 49ers Mm -hmm. winning wire to wire and dominating fashion because I think they're that tightly dialed into what they do well right now. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by both these games, but I just can't wait to talk about it afterwards because I think it's going to, you know, going into the off season or the Super Bowl, it's going to give Seahawks a lot, a lot to talk about.
0: It, it really will. And the interesting thing is is just as much on the AFC side because you look yeah. at the the Chiefs and the Bengals. So the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three times. Um, there is something about Joe Burrow and the gang that, you know, confuses mm. the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I think the biggest storyline there, and let me tell you, I live in Kansas City. These mm-hmm. fans are nervous people. They're nervous. They might be all blustery on Twitter, be. but they are nervous. Yes. But here's the thing, especially with, you know, Mahomes' ankle, which they can say he has no entry designation
1: that's, oh, don't get yeah, me started yeah, on that.
0: I know. So here's the thing, though, with that game. The Bengals are the up-and-coming team. The The Chiefs are the five-year AFC Championship veterans, right? And I think that what is fun about this game is the Bengals are, they just do not, I mean, they care, but they are all, in. they have a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. They're hot-headed. They say stupid stuff, which just makes me laugh, and I love it. And so I think the attitudes going in of you almost have these elder statesmen, which we kind of started to feel like about the Patriots, right? Oh, you know, they come in, they're so businesslike, blah, blah. And then you have these cocky young kids who just come in and they're like, they're all in. And so I think it's going to be interesting. Um, It's going to be very cold in Kansas City that day. That's not going to bother either one of these teams. Weather's not going to have any issue here. I just really feel
1: like- Joe Burrow played last week. Like it wasn't even snowing. No,
0: it's like it's 80. It's awesome. me outside. But, so so okay. I think that um, I expect the Bengals to completely zero in on Patrick Mahomes' ankle and make it as uncomfortable, as difficult for him as possible. Yeah. And hope to God they figure out how to put somebody on Travis Kelsey where, you know, the Jaguars forgot that he was even on the field. So yeah. um, I think the Bengals, I think we're going to end up with an Eagles Bengals Super Bowl. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, what I'm looking for is you know, the chiefs or the Bengals won't benefit this week from the element of surprise. And by that, I mean, last week, all the injuries on their offensive line. I wonder if the bills maybe took them, not took them lightly. I don't think that happens at this stage, but maybe underestimated how well that offensive line could play. Given all those backups that were in there and guys that had struggled the week before when they came in for the, the starters who got injured, um, the chiefs have had, you know, more film, more time to prepare now for this group. Um, that's what was so impressive to me last week about the Bengals. They were able to run the football at Will pretty much. Burrow had time to throw, even with three you know, of his five starting offensive linemen out. Um, so I, I just can't wait to watch both these games. Um, it's all I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> just you watch too? every single minute. and uh, And I'll be tweeting incessantly about it. Let's talk about the quarterbacks because okay. it's a big topic of conversation. And the biggest one is three of the four... Mm-hmm. are making little to no money. Joe Burrow at $9 million a year. Uh, average annual value is, is the highest paid of those on his rookie deal after being the first pick. Um, but 49ers Eagles, Jalen Hurts, clocking in at 1.5 million. And Brock Purdy at 934,000. And I, I meant to look this up and I didn't have time before we hopped on. Uh, I want to see how he got to that because that's pretty hot. He's He was the last player drafted And he's making, it's not rookie minimum and he's making a million dollars. They paid him more than Mm -hmm. just slot for that. And I was not aware of that until I looked at these numbers. He's making more than guys like, you know, Gardner Minshew that were drafted a lot higher other guys that have started. Um, But, you know, combined, they're making two and a half million dollars. And so, and then Patrick Mahomes at 45 million. And so there's been a lot of this, this week among fans, especially Seahawk fans. And it Mm -hmm. ties into the Geno Smith discussion. You shouldn't just, that goes to show, you just shouldn't spend money on a quarterback. You should just go cheap on the quarterback. It allows you to fill out the rest of the roster as if that's so easy to do. What are your thoughts on that philosophy and that idea and the chatter that we're hearing out there about whether or not you should pay quote unquote mid-tier quarterbacks?
0: I think it depends. Uh, I, it depends on the quarterback, to be quite honest with you. If you have... Um, Mad, like you have these young guys, they get good, they they work their way up, and they're all basically in their last or second to last year of their rookie contract, right? They're going to have to pay these guys eventually. They hit the jackpot with these younger guys. Well, and Purdy, you can't even say that they just lucked right into him. No. I don't even know. You know, that's not even. No, you know, it wasn't when
1: they drafted him. They never drafted Brock Purdy with the intention he would ever be yeah, their starter.
0: Exactly. So but I, can you look at the Chiefs and say, oh, they shouldn't have paid Patrick Mahomes? No, well, of course not. Right. Because he's, you know, currently the best quarterback in the yeah. league. So here's what I think. I think that if you have a mid-tier quarterback like Gino, and this is my what I'm my opinion on Gino's whole situation is that Gino has done everything that he needs to do to in order to be paid. Um, at the level that I think most people would think at between 30 and 35 a year. I don't think anyone would be shocked at that. I don't think anyone would blink an eye on that. That allows you then to spend all of these draft picks on other guys and fill other holes, right? And then you don't have to pay them a lot of money, which then you can turn around and you have Gino for a couple of years. And I think really... A two-year to three-year, probably a three-year contract, very easy to get out of it the third year if needed, makes a lot of sense for Seattle right now because what you else you need to look at on these teams are very good defenses. And that is something that Seattle is so lacking right now. And so in order to use that first-round pick on an offensive player, on a quarterback, is, first of all, a crapshoot because how many first-round quarterbacks have we seen that have not performed even to the level that Geno is? Right. And second of all, what needs you more, that offense or the defense? And so it's hard to just say, blank check, teams that go to the Super Bowl are on rookie contract, have rookie contract quarterbacks, because we know that's not true. We've just seen that over the years. Do I think it's your Super Bowl window if you have all the other pieces in place before and a rookie quarterback? Yes, I think your Super Bowl window is much higher at that point. But if you don't have those other pieces, then you're just wasting a couple of years of a rookie quarterback contract. So it makes more sense to me to load up on those other positions first, have them set, and then run, which is much what Seattle did just what ten years ago.
1: Exactly, and and that's what's funny to me is we've seen this, and mm-hmm. and I think this you
0: is not new. <laughs> you touched
1: on something that I think is the most. Uh, misunderstood or just ignored aspect of this debate among fans is that teams that have cheap quarterbacks that are in the playoffs in championship weekend stunk for a while. A long while, some of them. When they acquired that quarterback, they stunk. And so they were then able to use that savings to build up the rest of their roster so that by the time that quarterback developed and was ready to succeed, now they're a complete team right? The Seahawks mm-hmm. have kind of done it the other way around. They were an mm-hmm. aging team that tried to reset by letting go some veterans and, and loading up on the draft and their ros- roster got a lot younger. They, I don't believe ever expected that Gino would play as well as he did and put them in a position of having to make this des- decision. I think if you sat John Schneider and Pete Carroll in front of us and you gave them truth serum and you asked them what they thought 2022 and 23 were going to be, It goes back to some of the first shows you and I did together that Gina would play well enough to give us a chance to win this year. And then we were going to be all in on drafting a young quarterback next year and go from there. So a little bit of a curveball, but now, and that's what throws some fans off. You're talking about Mm -hmm. devoting a significant percentage of the cap to Mm -hmm. a quarterback when you still have those other holes, as opposed to doing it the other way around that $30 million breaking point seems to be the issue among fans that for the most part I get in the sense that I get is that people are cool paying him 30 million on a short-term deal, but don't pay him 35 or don't make that deal four to five years. Cause I don't think he's good enough. My overall feeling on it is, and, and I've come around on this, you and I spent time talking about, mm-hmm. can't wait to see that rookie quarterback class and get one of those guys. Right. <laughs> Especially as the season evolved and we saw that, that Denver pick was going to give us a chance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you have a good quarterback, you keep him because mm-hmm. they're hard to find. That's how I feel currently. However that happens, whatever it takes. N- well, not whatever it takes. If Gino asks for three years and $120 million guaranteed, no, no, go test the market. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to come to that. I also, uh, brush or push back at the fan who says uh he's an average or mediocre quarterback or had a lucky year. He's a top 10 quarterback in my opinion. He's an upper tier quarterback. He's not Brady Mahomes, uh, you know, Burrow, he's not in that class, never will be. But he's better than Ryan Tannehill. Right? Mm-hmm. He's better. Let's look at the salaries, okay? If $30 million is the breaking point, there are 14, well there's 13 players yeah. in the league right now at the quarterback position who are making 30 million a year or more. 14 if you count Tannehill at 29.5. It drops dramatically after that. It drops from 29.5 to 25 for Tom Brady. That doesn't count. He's always taking a discount. Mm -hmm. From there, it drops down to 15 million. And you're talking Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then the guys on their rookie deal. Mm -hmm. So this idea that fans just think, just don't pay them then you're going to be starting over. And I don't, I don't, at this point, this is where I've evolved to. I don't want to start over at that position right now. Do you?
0: No, I have no interest in starting over at that position. Why would you? Why, why, when you have, and if you want, and even if you don't think that Gino is, you know, a top tier quarterback, which we have to remember his numbers showed that he really was this year. Mm -hmm. um, I think that if nothing else, you have to look at, okay, then, ask you this would you have taken alex smith his last couple of years in san francisco or his first couple of years in kansas city when they were winning yes most people would say yes very similar oh i think they that's are not call. these insane, insane you know quarterbacks they're not mahomes they're not you know any of these top tier guys but they are consistent they get yeah. the job done you can trust them they don't turn the ball over very often they are hardly ever injured and i cringe when i say that about alex smith now but you know you have all of these things would you have paid? Another thing I think is with interesting with this is I'm not sure that the average fan truly understands the quarterback market. You're not going to get anyone to play for you for under $30 million unless they are a Marcus Mariota. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Someone's like, well, why don't you go out and get Carr then? Okay, well he's going to cost you 40 million. So would you rather take Gino at 10 million less and be able to get a different player? So I think that there's yeah. just a little misunderstanding there. We all want to play Armchair GM, but what it really is going to be fantasy football. Yeah, and so I think what it really comes down to is the fact that John Snyder said flat out he has a ceiling and I have a feeling that ceiling is about 40 million is just my guess. Um I think that they wouldn't flinch at all paying him 35 and if they did I'd be totally okay with it. Because that extra five million can be pushed into something else. It doesn't necessarily have to come off the cap. It you have to remember the cap isn't real. Although my friend Manny's going to kill me for saying that, <laughs> but I always say the cap isn't real, and right. I say that because there's always ways to manipulate it. Yeah. And so give him his money. Let him do what he wants. Let him get what he deserves after the season that he gave us this year and then have some security for at least a couple of years. Give him a 4-year deal doesn't mean you have to keep him for 4 years. You know, you can you can make it so that the last two years aren't don't hurt to get right. out of it and then really kind of just give that it's like okay, we're settled there. Let's focus on everything else.
1: And also I would caution fans that when the deal is announced whenever it happens whatever the deal looks like when it's announced Take a deep breath and wait for the structure. You know, the people that were freaking out about the Jason Myers extension, because now we're paying a kicker $5 million and we have other needs, then the structure comes out and it's not $5 million and it's, it's not big guarantees and you can move on from it if you need to in a year or two. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of deal we're going to, we're going to see with Gino. It'll be market value for, for as good as he is. And, uh, but it, you know, let's see what the structure and the guarantees are. I would be what I don't think is going to happen, especially after the Schneider comments that you referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, f- I feel a lot more comfortable about where they're at after listening to him talk, even mm-hmm. though, you know, he does, he plays it close to the vest, but he, he does, he reveals some things in his tone. Um, Gino Smith, isn't going to sign a five year, $200 million. It's just not going to happen. We're not gonna see that kind of deal. And I think that's what fans are nervous about. It's going to be a deal with an an opportunity to get out of it in a year or two, right? It's gonna gonna Mm -hmm. appear to be one thing, but really, you know, it might be a five-year deal, but really it's a two-year deal. We've seen stuff like that before. It's it's exactly the kind of deal that Bobby Wagner signed when he Mm -hmm. reset the linebacker market at that point. But you could see looking down, oh, two years from now, they can move on from him if they want to, Mm -hmm. and they did. Um, so let's one more question and then we'll, we'll move off the position because this is another idea that's being, uh, heavily debated out there among Seahawk fans and analysts and journalists. What about playing it both ways and keeping Gino, even just on the franchise tag and drafting a quarterback? Where do you stand on that?
0: I'm thrilled with it. If it's in the third round, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I don't, I, those here's. and and this is, I'm not going to be exact on this, but those top tier quarterbacks right now, there are going to be teams spending ridiculous amounts of draft capital and money and trading to get up, to get them. There are the teams that want those guys are so desperate. They are going to be, you know, jumping over the top of each other with ladders to get to them. I don't feel like Seattle needs to get into that battle. And and so I, I don't think that they need to look at that. Now, if a quarterback falls and it's one of the top guys or someone, you know, how John Snyder gets just a hardcore football crush on players sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, if he's got somebody he's got his heart set on and it's still sitting there 20 take. Them. I don't care. I don't yep. care if it's offense. I don't care if it's defense, whatever, if that's what you got to do. But truly, I think that there there could be some value in waiting until that third round. To maybe then pick up a quarterback. Why not? I mean, God forbid they don't keep Drew Locke. I mean, who cares, right? And so you let that kid sit. You let him learn for a minute, which I'm a big fan of. Now, Lisa, who does the Archer Football Podcast with me, her big thing is... If you draft someone in the first round, they are a starter. Come hell or high water, they don't sit. She truly believes that um, because that is too much capital to waste on the backup. And so I agree with her, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Unless they are one of those guys that you absolutely have to have, then let them either fight for the job during preseason, much like they did with Russell, or let him sit for a year like Patrick Mahomes did behind Alex Smith. And I think that that is hugely, hugely important for some of those players.
1: Yeah, you make some great points. And and in any other year, I would be asking you about uh, the year that Mahomes was drafted by Kansas City <laughs> with your perspective there. Because they had Alex Smith and they didn't have any intention of playing him right away. And there were major question marks about Mahomes coming out. Right. He, he was a project. Um, and it was nearly the, well, they traded up to get him. But there was, there was uh, perception at the time that he was going to go late in the first round. And that's where the talk came that, Hey, Seattle really likes him. And Schneider really likes him. And if Mahomes is there, they're going to take him. And those reports came out on draft day. Um, even though they had Russell Wilson, his prime, I don't see this being a parallel to that because it's not as deep of a quarterback class. It's just not the one guy. That might throw a, a a wrench in these plans because I also am on the side and I know you are too that mm-hmm. there's just other needs, there's yeah. other needs and maybe Schneider was softening us up the other day when he said we're not going to draft for need that's why we succeeded last year as we stopped drafting for need just take best player available yep. maybe he was setting us up for that but um, the one curveball that I might see is at that 20th pick if one of those guys falls right Be- because we're already starting to hear this is not a great draft class. It's not, it's not uh, elite uh, know, at the top that's so and it's not deep. And it's because of all the guys that stayed in school. It's NLI mm-hmm. changed this year. We've, we've moved past the benefit now of the guys that stayed uh, and took advantage of extra eligibility because of COVID that's in the past. And now mm-hmm. this was kind of the mesh year, the transition year where NLI became a real legit thing. Schools have figured out how to use it. And there are some guys that stayed in school that I'm absolutely shocked, decided to pass up on the draft. Yeah.
0: That list is actually surprising. Every day, there for a minute, it seemed like someone's coming out. It's like, I'm going to stay, I'm going to come back for one more year. And what that is Consensus first round guys. It's also then turns around and ages your class, and so mm-hmm. those people who are like, "I want a 22 year old quarterback," you're not going to get them anymore. No, you're not. You know, you're gonna they're going to be 23, 24. They might even go for fifth year eligibility and be, you know, as old as Russell was when he came out. And so I think that that's that's going to be an interesting domino effect from that too.
1: Here's a perfect example of what you just described. Uh, there's a kid that I really like. His name's Sam Hartman. And he's he's a four year starter at Wake Forest. He's in his fifth year of eligibility, and he just as a he just after a successful four year starting career at Wake Forest, a guy that I really like who fits into that third round mold that you described, that would have been a perfect guy to target in this year's draft, and I think would be a perfect fit in a Shane Waldron offense. Decided to play one more year, transferred to Notre Dame, instead of entering the draft. Decisions like that have robbed this draft. At the quarterback position of that depth. So there's two slam dunk guys, most people feel in uh Stroud and Young. Then there's Will Levis, who's a lightning rod, but teams some teams love him and he's probably gonna go in the top five. And then there's Anthony Richardson. Five, nine.
0: Like,
1: no, like, that's Bryce Young.
0: Bryce Young is yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he I'm might all, go I'm
1: he might go number one. Yeah. <laughs> Levis is the guy that has all the tools, but his tape just doesn't match it. But some team's going to talk themselves into him. Um, Anthony Richardson is the guy that if he falls to 20, because there aren't 20 first round grades, that's where there's a drop off. There, There might not be a guy that makes sense at a position of more need. I could maybe see something happening there. That, that to me would be the only curveball is, is you take a guy that's a project. He sits behind Gino and you go from there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's obviously going to be a storyline that we're going to talk to death over the next few months. And that's a storyline that I kind of wish we could just hit the fast forward button and get past it so we could just focus on everything else.
0: It would be nice. I I I want them to get this deal done with Gino. I just (laughs) want it done. You know, that's what they want to do. It seems that's what Gino wants to do. I can't think of any other teams that are going to jump for him because the teams that are quarterback needy have the draft capital to go up and get a young guy because they need to save the money. And so, I mean, there might be, but, and that's not Gino's fault. That's just, the way the league is this year. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to get it done so we can quit talking about
1: it. Yeah. Well, let's quit talking about it for now. I was going to okay. go into uh, he comeback player of the year award and your thoughts on that, uh-huh. but we're already uh, running a little long. So speaking of awards, I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. The finalists were announced for NFL coach of the year. Pete Carroll is not among them. Uh, the names are, you know, Brian Dayball, um, Sirianni from Philly, uh, Sean McDermott um, no Pete Carroll
0: Shanahan
1: mm-hmm. Shanahan right what just when you saw that what were your thoughts
0: I was not surprised in the least yeah. and the, the bigger tragedy is going to be when John Snyder does not get executive of the year oh
1: because, no it's yes. already everyone's handing it to uh, Roseman yeah. in Philly. I
0: know in Philly yeah yeah for taking a good
1: team and, and making and them a making better, them yeah. gooder
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating to me. Here's the thing with in Seattle, and I truly believe this. And this is gonna, this is the, my same feeling. It's gonna be on defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year. The Seahawks are not gonna win this. No. The Jets are gonna sweep them. And the reason is I truly believe is because it's a big market team mm-hmm. and the Jets fan base is super fickle the east coast fan bases are super fickle and so when they get awards like this it puts them in you know they're very happy oh we're really good we have someone and they keep buying tickets The Seah- seahawks have a very solid fan base yeah and i think that a lot of the reporters i know for a fact a lot of like the pro football writer pro, um uh, reporters that are in that group are on the east coast and so we just Absolutely. have to kind of meet there is an east coast bias doesn't mean I don't think they're deserving I really think Brian Dable should win coach of the year even over Pete Carroll I really am just shocked at what he has done with that Giants team but at the same time I just think that Seattle is often forgotten and when they're not forgotten they're dismissed and that's Mm -hmm. it's not sour grapes on my part but I got into a huge argument why Shanahan should not win coach of the year they're like he's on his third string quarterback right with an amazingly fantastic team around him that That's yeah, coaching matters, but it's all the rest of it that put that together. And so that's where I think about, you know, he already had the perfect sauce. He just added a little more salt to it sort of a thing, you know, so I don't know. I I feel bad for Pete and for John because I think that I don't know that they care, but you can't tell me that they wouldn't feel good to win one of those awards. I just don't think it will ever happen. All we can say is that Pete Carroll will be a first ballot Hall of Famer and that's all that we can care about. You know, that's all that should matter right now.
1: How much longer do you think he coaches? Oh,
0: God. So at the beginning of this season, I would have told you two. I would have said this season and one more to set up for the next head coach. But after this year, I think we're going to have him for three. And so Mm. and it probably depends on what happens with the draft this next year and how the season looks after that. But I think he's trying to set up the team for success before he bows out. Um and I have said all along, I think our head coach is already in the next head coach is in the building in Desai, unless he gets poached by somebody else. Um the my other big hope is that Dan Quinn is just gonna sit there
1: hey, in Dallas I until am, Pete retires yeah. and
0: then Dan Quinn comes back. I am home.
1: shocked that it appears now that he might sit out this head coaching cycle.
0: No, he yeah, he's going to stay out and,
1: and, and, and uh because, I think Jerry
0: threw a boatload of money at him to keep the defense good. And yeah. I think that he has another team in mind. And I'm hoping that Seattle might not be. Yeah, right. <laughs> but at I, the same time, I think that a lot, the length of Pete's tenure will, a lot of that will decide on this draft in this next year. I think that he just feels it. He just feels he's just two years away. He seems
1: really energized. Hard. He really does. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of when when the team hit the skids after the, after the great yeah. start, uh, there were – you started to hear people say, gosh, he, he seems tired. I think he was frustrated. Yeah. Um, but in the, uh, ever since the season ended, he seems as fired up as I've ever seen him. And I think it's because, A, he believes they're on the verge of being able to do something good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also because he likes a challenge and he wants to fix that defense once and for all. And we have picks we have resources and he wants to attack it. Mm-hmm. Um, it we'll see how next year goes. I, I do. I want to comment on one thing you said, because I think he nailed it. Um, halfway through the season, Seahawks were getting a lot of love as a team that was overachieving. And wow, we didn't see this. And you trade your franchise quarterback and look what Gino's doing and look what a great job Pete Carroll's doing. And maybe this isn't a rebuild. But after they went through uh, some of the struggles they did before they finished strong, I think the general consensus that I feel that's out there among the NFL community right now is ah, maybe it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors and that those Mm -hmm. nine wins aren't really legitimate. They had an easy schedule and some things went their way and it could have been a lot. I, I do think they're being dismissed and I hope like heck that they use that as motivation this off season in the same way that the Bengals are Um, because, and I do think Carol's energized by that. I do. Mm -hmm. I I think he wants to come back next year. Um, And I think it helps that the best team in the NFC might be in their division, or at least one of them, and one that mm-hmm. looks like they're primed to be a perennial Super Bowl contender for the next few years. Um, and he, he likes that challenge, and I don't think he's done with it yet at all. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, okay, a couple of questions that we talked about beforehand uh, that mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on, and then we'll uh, wrap this up. Uh, you love defense, and you love talking about defense, and we all know, and we all agree, and we're we're going to talk about this a lot over the next few months, that the defense needs an infusion of talent. Pete Carroll himself has said, as transparently as maybe I've ever heard him talk,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we just don't have good enough guys up there. He's not throwing anyone individually under the bus, but man, we need to be better, especially up front on defense. And specifically, he's referenced these other teams. And they're they're all the same. I, I mean, these teams that are, you know, we talk about the quarterbacks, but all these teams left- in the playoffs have physical tough Mm -hmm. defensive lines and we need to get there. So I want, I wanted to pose it this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, 11 guys on defense, right? Last time I checked, Mm -hmm. I think that's how many players are on the field at the same time. Rumor has it. I'll Google it. Uh, (laughs) How, if I put the over, how many new starters do you think there will be on defense opening day, 2023? If I put the over under at five, do you think it's less than five, five, more than five?
0: It's more than five. So I'm looking at the list now. So Daryl Taylor will still be there unless he's included in a trade. People have talked about that a little bit. Um, and then you have, I think Nwosu comes back. Um, Diggs will be back. Woolen will be back. Ryan Neal. I think that they'll work a way to get him back. So it's um then. as a starter I don't think my Jackson will be a starter next year. I don't think Cody Bar- I hope to God Cody Barton is not a starter next year. No offense Cody, you just aren't quite good enough. He's a great backup. Um you know Puna that's a real question mark when it comes to his he, contract. He, he
1: probably is going to demand a decent number on uh, To be honest the free with you, he would market. do
0: better on a different team. And yeah. I love yeah, Puna it's just Ford, not a scheme but fit. Just, it's not a scheme fit mm. for him. And I hope that he goes somewhere where he can just explode. That's I one guy that Pete Carroll him.
1: even he did mention my name and specifically yeah. said, didn't really fit in the role we were using him in
0: and obviously they're not wanting to change the scheme they have not hinted that they're changing any of their coaching staff and Mm. so that's going to be the same um I liked Shelby Harris I don't know that he would be a starter but I think they'll probably keep him around but I think that there'll be more than five I think the things that's gonna I will tell you this I rewatched week one this is last couple of days. Mm. I watched the first half yesterday, I finished the rest of it today. And I will tell you that Jamal Adams looked freaking amazing oh, he until did. he got hurt.
1: He was flying around. They were using him everywhere. Oh
0: it was amazing. Yeah. I don't think as much as people like to, you know, moan and complain about him, I don't think he's going anywhere. It wasn't doesn't make financial sense for them to get rid of him this year anyway. They're going to. They'll wait one more year. Um, But God knows if he's going to start next year. His, his injury was severe and career ending for some players. So we'll have to see how that goes. But the, the thing with me is Quandre Diggs and there are people who are like, Oh, they might cut Quandre Diggs. So I watched Quandre Diggs. The difference between Quandre in week one and the last week of the season this year was a totally different player, and he was better at the end of the year. That tells me that his injury that he had took him a full extra year to get over. And so I think that they are going to love what they saw from him. He was flying around. He was intercepting balls. That's what they wanted from him. He'll be back. But I think there could be a lot of shakeup, especially along that line. Um, At least we can hope. Right. Yeah. You can hope so. And yeah. I hope they bring Al Woods. I uh, God love. I have love for Al Woods. Al Woods is one of my favorite players. He's a great rotational player. And I hope that they bring him back even at thirty-six.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he does fit. Um mm-hmm. at that nose position for sure. And and you know, that's that's the risk is is we're gonna be having these discussions, uh, because it doesn't appear that they can really go out and um and dip into the the high end of the free agent market, which they typically don't do anyway. Um so you're, you're looking at playing a lot of young guys together on that defensive line or, you know, trying to add a couple of value veterans to them. Um, the, what did I want to say? There was something that you touched on, um, as far as, oh, the safety thing. And, you know, we've, we've touched on this mm-hmm. and I don't want to go too deep into it. I'll just say this because there is a lot of consternation right now about that combined safety number. And especially when you add, you know, bring a Neil back at a second round tender, if that's what they do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't expect in any, I'll be shocked if we get to opening day next year and both of those guys are playing on their exact deal that they're playing on right now. Oh, uh-uh. when, when, I think
0: Jamal's Jamal's contract. I th- will be absolutely. Revert. I think
1: both sides yeah. would be motivated mm-hmm. to do that and, and to yeah. restructure it in a way that, you know, he still gets his money, maybe even a little bit more upfront. And maybe take some of the guarantees, convert salary to bonus, that kind of thing. And so it does Mm -hmm. give them an out in case he doesn't come back healthy, but allows them to get that cap number down a little bit this year. So um, again, structure, you know, let's, let's wait and see what happens because a lot can be done.
0: And I think the important thing to remember, it, it, I love free agency. I think it can really complete a team. Um, but I also know that that's a little difficult for people, right? Like it's for mm-hmm. teams to, to go out there because those free agents often. And we, I had a huge long conversation about free agency on another podcast. And, you know, people always reference Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. That was a weird year. Go back and look at it. There was a lockout. Like there was all kinds of like it was a depressed yeah. market. It was like a whole deal. That's not going to happen again. But If they are going to spend any money on a free agent, it has to be at linebacker. There are so many good, decent linebackers out there that could completely change this team at free agency, and I really hope. Because at defensive end, this draft is great for them, right? They're great for pass rushers in this draft. But I think linebacker is where you spend your money in free agency.
1: Yeah, I like that idea. And linebacker is one of those positions that when you take away the elite top and the cream of the crop – those guys, the Roquan Smiths and the guys in Bobby Wagner's that yeah. are making the big money. It really drops down into a pretty reasonable group. Yep. Um, teams typically don't like to pay inside linebackers for sure. Uh, yeah. Mike's and Wills, uh, big time money, unless they're that kind of guy that, you know, you move around and you play off mm-hmm. the edge and things like that. So there, there is some value to be had there. One more question for you. Yeah. Uh, as, as I, uh, look ahead to the draft and dive deep, the all-star games are next week, senior bowl, shrine mm-hmm. game. Can't wait to see some of those future Seahawks playing in those games. Uh, I just want to throw this at you. Cause I've done a million mock drafts and I've had a million discussions about drafts over the last couple of weeks. It's a very, very hot topic and people are very passionate about what they ch- should do. And we've talked about it again here today. Gotta go defense, right? But John Schneider just went on the radio this week and said, we're going to take best player available. What is Dana O'Gorman going to do Uh if the Seahawks use one or, heaven forbid, both of their first-round picks on offensive players?
0: I will lose my ever-loving mind. (laughs) Here's the thing. This is a very defense-heavy draft, so we we need – okay, let me get this calmed out. If they pick a center, (laughs) I'm good with it. There's, I don't need, I haven't even looked at the center market. I know there's a couple good ones out there. Seahawks need a all time great center, right? We know that Austin Blythe is fine. I don't want fine at center anymore. Right? Yeah. So that one I could swallow, but you tell me that you can't get other good offensive players further back in the draft. I don't know about that so i really think at least the first round needs to be defense defense the second round i'm okay with one of one of the two of them being an offensive player and not a running back we're good there all just right. re-sign rashad penny which is a whole thing i'm all about after re-watching week one and um and then just have him and walker and be ready to go
1: i just i ask that because i just i i want you to be prepared oh damn i want <laughs> i look i don't think there's any chance they go offense at five. Um, because they're not going to go quarterback there. Um, mm-hmm. that's going to be a defensive player. I do think there is a very strong likelihood that the 20th pick is used on an offensive player. So I just want to, because like
0: a wide receiver, tell me what kind tell, uh, tell me. What, I think like wide, wide receiver,
1: receiver makes a ton of sense in that range. Oh. Ton of sense, a ton of oh sense. God. So I'm going to be reminding you, I'm going to remember this and I'm going to be reminding you when that happens, Dana, let's wait until all seven rounds are done and let's see how it, shakes out because day two is a great day for defense and interior offensive line. So I just want to, I just want to start the process of getting you ready. Well,
0: now you've given me a headache,
1: Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got to wrap it up. This is long for us, Um, but you know, we haven't talked in a while and we're not going to be able to talk again on the field goals moniker or under the field goals banner after the 28th of February. Again, a reminder, tell people where they can find you on Twitter Mm -hmm. and where they can listen to you now. So they can start to prepare uh, for when this podcast will not exist.
0: Sure. So I'm at Dana OG it's D-A-Y-N-A-O-G and on Twitter. And then, um, I, oh my God, I have so many, po- so I do the hour tour football podcast every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. We do that live, um, on YouTube and, um, I've been doing that for 10 years. And then, every Wednesday through the season and then hit or miss in the off season, I do the real Hawk talk with the Hawk blogger crew on Wednesday nights. Um, And then I do a podcast every other week um, with a couple of football fans from the UK. And so that one's really Mm. fun because it get a really interesting. And so that's called end zone scoop. So um, you can find me at any of those and all of them are on Twitter.
1: Nice. Busy, busy woman. Uh, I'll be doing this through the end of February. And then um, if you follow me on Twitter, you've already seen some of the branding concept concepts I've, I've thrown out there. I'm just going to roll right into to talking about Seahawks. And so if you used to listen to either of my uh, former podcasts, what I have done already to prepare is um, if you uh, used to listen to my original podcast, The Dan Cave, I just rebranded that same feed. So if you subscribe to that, um, you'll get notifications when I start doing new shows there. Um, until then, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever because we, we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next month. And uh, love that engagement and interaction. And obviously, uh, any news about what I do after field goals will be then. But we have we have another month. We and have a we couple have, weeks. Yep. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Griffin Sturgeon's going to be joining me on Monday. You've had him on the show before. He's mm-hmm. so great. We're gonna we're gonna break down some X's and O's. He's a guy that understands that language better than I do. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to pick his brain about scheme and scheme fits and some players that he thinks would fit from this draft. He started to dig into that and, uh, and try to break down. uh, He's really good about uh, uh, talking about that stuff in layman's terms, three, four versus four, three and how that affects the edge guys. We're going to dig into that on, uh, on Monday. And then uh, we've got some other stuff coming up too. Um, So Dana, thanks for uh, joining me again. We'll, of uh, we'll just try to make the most of this over the next 30 days or so and enjoy those games tomorrow you too it's going to be fun All right, Dana O'Gorman, I am Dan Viennes this is the Field Goals Podcast for now uh, again, subscribe to this podcast if you want to keep uh, getting notifications over the next month of things we're going to talk about because there's a lot to break down enjoy Championship Weekend we'll be talking to Hawks with you again soon thanks for listening